everybody it's me this morning we're having uh, a look at Revel the first bit of um, and so let me just pray father we ask this morning that you would open our eyes afresh to see you amen well one of the things I thought I'd start with this morning and it's good to do this by zoom it, can I have got that right is that okay I can't shove hands on Zoom, but I wonder whether you think that cup is half full or half empty. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you'd say about that. Is that half full or is it half empty? Yeah. I was going to do a Zoom shove of hands, but I can't see your hands anyway. Um, <laughs> but people use that kind of analogy as a very simple way of trying to work out. Are we people who tend to look at the world and see the shortfalls and the shortcomings? someone that we'd say is a more of a pessimist, or maybe someone who sees and sees that that's half full and see the world full of possibilities. Our culture, I would argue, has at the minute a funny kind of mix of bleakness about it that's very dominant, not just because of the crisis we're in. A lot of the TV and films that we see like, seem to be, how would I say, they seem to be very accepting of the brokenness of the world. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. It's also clear when I chat to my children that when I listen to uh, what they've been learning at school with the anxiety about our world and our creation, that they feel it's their responsibility to save the planet. Much as when I grew up, it was my responsibility to save us from nuclear war. Christians have always lived with the knowledge that there's a good ending in sight, that the lamb wins, that eternity with God is our inheritance, a new heaven and a new earth. We live at a particular generation at this time that doesn't really think about having a future beyond what's on this earth. We have one life, so let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we will die. Maybe, just maybe, if we glimpsed heaven afresh, if we had a vision of the splendour and the majesty of God, a vision of beauty and harmony, of radiance, of godly order, of joy, it would change how we think and how we live. Revelation 4 and Revelation, Revelation 4 is what we're looking at. But Revelation is all about uncovering and unveiling. Revelation lifts the curtain so we can see what's going on behind the scenes. And here in chapters four and then followed by chapter five, we get a, a view, a picture, as John is transported by the Spirit to see a beautiful vision of heaven with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in sight. Previously, 
John writes his letter in the previous two chapters to seven churches, both affirming them, but also admonishing them to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The churches have fallen to the pressures of the synagogue and the state, have succumbed to false teaching, have lost their first love, are living an illusion, have capitulated to the current culture. Are they churches where the risen Christ walks? John calls the churches to look upwards, upwards, to see God's transcendent majesty, beauty and splendour. The scene in front of us that John describes is still awe-inspiring. And if you have some time, go on to read the rest of it and maybe Revelation 5. Chapters 4 and 5 do speak to our imaginations. They enliven us, they excite us, they inspire us. They take our breath away at the beauty. So let me just read quietly. I'm going to read slowly, quite quietly, but I'll read slowly the first six verses of Revelation 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. God's presence dominates this awe-inspiring scene as a father sits on the throne in splendour. The throne is central and the door is open to enable us to see, but also the voice welcomes us in. The father has the appearance of the precious red priestly stones of jasper and ruby. A rainbow shines like an emerald, revealing God to humankind. 24 other thrones, 12 tribes, 12 apostles are worshipping God and the Lamb. They're dressed in the white of righteousness, pure, clean, glorious, and with crowns of gold, of heavenly treasure. 
the description of divine splendor. They're moved from what's around the throne to what proceeds from the throne. Flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder signify the presence of the Holy Spirit. The sea of glass, clear as crystal, shows a tamed, calm sea. The picture still inspires awe and wonder today. They're being brought into the very presence of God and of longing to worship. So often our perspective is so earthly that we can't even imagine a heavenly picture. John is taken into heaven, not to escape the world, but to see the whole picture of what's going on. It's a beautiful vision of God. And it reminds us today about who we think holds all the power. You see, without a revelation, without an uncovering, without seeing God's splendour, all of us are left thinking and feeling and acting maybe that something or someone other than God holds all the power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to live with our future in sight. We ask, would you uncover more of your splendour and of your glory to us this day? Capture our minds, capture our imaginations and help us to live with a vision of heaven. In Jesus' name.